Hello, thanks for tuning in. You're listening to another episode of Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This is episode 352, recorded on Wednesday the 23rd of December 2020 at 23.37.01. Let's start the pre-show section by wishing everyone a happy Christmas Eve Eve. When did that become a thing? But I like it. It is right now, Christmas Eve Eve. There is more Christmas stuff of (laughs) variable quality than you dream possible on its way. I'll talk about that more at the end of the show. I believe, though, I've already mentioned that in the last pod. Next. Hello, new listeners. Welcome aboard the deluxe Captain's Yacht slash Train to Hell or the hospitality chamber of my Wizarding Tower, also known as the Dungeon. Okay, more specifically, welcome to the one listener I know subscribed because they told me so, and several who I hoped subscribed after my last Twitter publicity slash desperation push slash plea. It is nice to have new listeners, and if you are one of those, welcome. And now, really late-breaking, there have been a few spillages in my TARDIS slash Sidrat slash Vimana. Look it up, it's cultural. In New Who episode, The Caretaker, in Season 8, and that was Episode 6, the Doctor says... Ah yes, there has been a spillage after his temporary companion, a schoolgirl at Coal Hill called Courtney, throws up in the TARDIS. And amazingly, by the way, (laughs) I found out when I was looking up the reference for this, there is actually a fandom page about vomiting in the TARDIS, though it sadly does not mention the above incident. So, whoever's responsible for that TARDISFandom.com wiki page, get your skates on. And so, yes, I have been having many spillages of my own in the studio. Luckily, not involving fluids from my stomach. By the way, another tangent. My studio is either increasingly looking like a TARDIS slash Sidrat slash Vimana, with its eclectic mixture of very old. I'm looking at two extremely old armchairs that are certainly older than I am, and I'm not that young, and a small sofa, and a coffee table, and some filing cabinets. Look, take it from me, there is some old stuff in here. As well as some very new stuff like my computer and smartphone, and, of course, the terrifying spaghetti of cables that is dangling from behind my desk, which I have tweeted pictures of several times, and it is something to behold. 
I've rather strayed from where I was going, but yeah, this place is looking like the TARDIS. Or, I've been podcasting about Doctor Who for so long that I've finally gone totally insane. Where was I? Spillages. Oh yeah. Why the spillages? For some idiotic reason, I keep placing drinks on the floor, then forgetting that I've put them there, and then kicking them across the room in a spectacular tidal wave of fluid. Which, thankfully, because I only drink diet drinks most of the time, or water, hasn't been much of a problem. Though I think I have spilt some coffee, but yeah, it was on the floor so it didn't really damage anything. One benefit of all this clumsiness and the upshot of repeating the same mistake over and over again, other than the fact that it is completely stupid to do the same stupid thing over and over again, is that my floor is very clean. Enough random tangents and stuff and nonsense, let's just do the show. Let's move straight into the culture section and talk some movies, starting off with Motherless Brooklyn. I, as you may have heard, if you're a regular listener, are you a regular listener? Do I have regular listeners? Let me know. Put off viewing Motherless Brooklyn for a very, very long time. Because from what I saw of the trailers, the film did not look like a realistic portrayal of Tourette Syndrome. And it looked as though it largely played off the condition for laughs. As my Tourette's was diagnosed back in 2016, and has always been a problem even before it was diagnosed, I was not keen to be poked fun of. On the other hand, at the time of release, it seemed that the Tourette's community embraced it. Maybe because it was empowering? In any case, back to the film. Motherless Brooklyn is about a character named Lionel Ezrog and his crew dealing with the fallout of the death of their boss, Frank Minna, a private detective. Lionel tries to solve the mystery of his mentor's murder and ends up entwined in a very Chinatown-like case. One thing I notice right from the start is there is too much daylight, for my taste, for a noir movie. The supporting cast seemed too many, i.e. his fellow crew members. The film is long, and it is, I'm sorry to say, I feel boring. It also seems weirdly anachronistic for something set in the 1950s. And, by the way, I know it's set in the 1950s because in a nice touch of non-verbal exposition, John Osborne's look back in anger is advertised over a theatre in shot. But it seems like the 1940s with its dated tough guy Argo. Maybe that's a symptom of adapting a script set in 1999 to a 1940s genre, 
with the topic of New York gentrification in the 1950s. Moving on to some good things, I enjoyed the music in the locker scene that, to my ears, probably mistakenly, almost certainly mistakenly, sounded like a jazzy version of Bauhaus's Bella Lugosi's Dead. A bit like Doctor Who. (laughs) I have been listening to a lot of Bauhaus, and maybe that has affected me. Also, I enjoyed the shot near the end of the movie with a couple on a beach staring off into the distant sea. That was absolutely beautiful. Congratulations, camera person, or director of photography, or director, whoever was responsible for that. That was nice. A mixture of good and bad, then. Let's move on to the depiction of Tourette's. It is somewhat accurate from an actor, Edward Norton, who doesn't actually have the condition. As for Lionel Ezrog's compensatory superpowers in the shape of an eidetic memory, no, I, as someone with Tourette's syndrome, do not possess that talent. Neither can I leap over tall buildings in a single bound, unfortunately, because that would be really cool. In conclusion, Chinatown with Jack Nicholson is much better. And now you will find out why the title of this week's episode is Detective, because our next film is another detective movie, this time The Kid Detective. I have had this film on my watch list for so long, and that is because... After consuming Scooby-Doo cartoons, Tintin comic books, Enid Blyton, The Hardy Boys, and Nancy Drew books, and later The Rockford Files, Rathbone's Sherlock Holmes, which was the Sherlock of its day, and so many other properties of the genre, I wanted to be a detective when I was a kid. And then I grew up and realised what a boring job being a private eye really is. And for those reasons, this film really appealed to me. This movie is a spoofy neo-noir black comedy which follows Abe Applebaum, a vastly overrated child detective in his small town and an unsuccessful private detective in adulthood. During the course of the film, he tries to solve the murder of a teenager which leads to further revelations about the underbelly of his community. All that sounds really great, and I had high hopes, but it is not near as good as films like The Black Marble, Blue Velvet, or Brick, all of which I recommend over this. At the end of the film, we see the kid detective crying directly at the camera in a close-up? Is he thinking of a wasted life? I'm not sure, but that scene did affect me, and that's a great bit of acting. Another film that I've had on my radar for a very long time is Christopher Nolan's Tenet, which I have finally seen. I thought it was 
very beautifully shot, diversely casted, which I appreciate because it's one of the bugbears that annoys me so often. Unfortunately, it's also a very ordinary science fiction film. However, I still would have rated it above average if I could have heard what the actors and actresses were saying. Temporal Cold War, the future fighting the past, bullets flying backwards, all those things are easy. They are a breeze compared to hearing the dialogue which was impossible. Christopher Nolan later saying that this was intentional is complete bollocks. He and his crew muffed it. Or rather, they muffled it. This is like listening to the audio track for dialogue where everybody is Bane. I often complain about actors who are mumblers, but in this case, the actors are perfectly fine and the mixing is truly terrible. Get your hearing tested, Nolan. As for Hans Zimmer, I love his music, I think he's a wonderfully creative person, but sometimes, in the case of Tenet, for example, Hans Zimmer needs to realise that less is more. Let's move on to the action. Some of the action is ridiculous. There is a scene where a muscly henchman of the bad guy with a meat tenderizer in his hand in the restaurant kitchen actually waited for our protagonist to hit him. I know this is movie fighting, but cock-ups at this level of movie making are completely inexcusable. Then there's the bungee assault scene, which was spectacular, but also hilarious. (laughs) This is not Mad Max beyond Thunderdome, so I don't think excited giggling was the response Nolan expected of his audience. In this case of one, because I wasn't at the cinema, but I'm guessing that there would have been laughter at the cinema. If you did see it at the cinema, safely socially distanced and all that, and there was laughter at that scene, please let me know. Let's talk for a moment about Kenneth Branagh as a Russian villain. Kenneth Branagh was as menacing as a mouse. And I'm saying this as someone who normally likes Kenneth Branagh's work. I even liked him in that Frankenstein film he made, whereas most people didn't. I suppose at least he's an actor who never does things by halves. He is either great or he stinks. As with Branagh's silliness, Tennant, like Interstellar, is a spectacular Nolan failure. Since flopping spectacularly is a situation which I have intimate experience of, I'm not entirely unsympathetic. If you want to hear some of my crash and burns, go back and listen to earlier episodes. Regardless, nothing Nolan screws up 
or said about COVID-19 changes my love for Inception. Concluding then, Tenet would have been better as a novel than a movie, and with the stupendous, enormous, ginormous budget Christopher Nolan had, he should have at least outdone the Red Dwarf episode backwards from 1989. It sounds like overall I'm telling people not to watch this. I'm not doing that. There are some glorious action scenes, and if no one else watches it, then I'll have no one to write in and tell me what they thought. Tell me I'm wrong about everything I said. Let's now move on to TV and talk about season five of The Expanse. Yes, it's back. And this season, although perhaps he's been doing this before, Thomas Jane has taken to directing after having played the deceased Belter detective in the series. And the show seems a lot more tense than it was before. And about Thomas Jane, I liked him as the Punisher. I hated his disgraceful and stupid performance as a man with Tourette's in The Predator. So, if his direction is a component of Season 5's tense atmosphere, I view that as both atonement and a comeback. We have, however, had to wait a while for Season 5, so perhaps I just can't remember how good the show was previously, and it's always been this dramatic and gripping. Before we leave The Expanse behind, as I have said so many times in the past, if you like this show, read the recently deceased Ben Bover's Grand Tour series of books, and perhaps some of Larry Niven's work from his known space universe. Let's now move on to The Mandalorian and the season 2 finale. I'll start this bit off with a question to the listeners. How did you deal with the finale? For me, the episode titled The Rescue was total nerd overload. Oh, oh dear. Okay, spoilers ahead in 3, 2, 1. You have been warned. Here we go. Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker! Oh my god. The moment I saw the X-Wing, then the hooded figure taking out the droids, I thought my head would explode. But then I sat stunned through the post credit scene with Boba and Fennec raiding Jabba's lair, Boba killing Bib Fortuna, then Conan the Barbarian-like taking the throne, and my head did explode. The spin-off series, The Book of Boba Fett, was announced as well, and that is coming in December 2021. Bazoom! That's all I really want to say about Season 2 of The Mandalorian. I enjoyed this season possibly more than the last season, I'm not quite sure. On average, it is pretty damn good. 
Let's move on to some news from Warner Brothers, who have decided on simultaneous film releases at cinemas and on HBO Max. And here we go again. Get ready for another rush to buy giant tellies. I've been saying that all movies should have simultaneous release for years. For one thing, it will cut down on some, as I like to call it, alternative streaming, yo-ho-ho and a bottle of rum, but it took a global pandemic for the studios to see sense. And, of course, there's that proviso, some. Because who can afford to subscribe to so many different streaming services? Mind you, who can afford to buy a brand new giant telly? I suppose a lot of people from what we've seen over the last year. But not me. Anyway, where were we? Oh, sulking about personal finances. Doesn't matter. Because no matter what happens over at Warner Brothers, I am not holding my breath for Snyder Cuts or ghastly pointless reboots the Suicide Squad, but I am looking forward to Wonder Woman 1984 and, with reservations, The Matrix 4. Won't we finish with this? And no Agent Smith? What the hell? Moving on from Warner Brothers, Disney's insane announcements because they completely upstaged Warner when they said that there are a hundred new projects, including, of course, a crazy amount of Star Wars spin-offs. We have to ask ourselves as fans, is there just too much Star Wars? Will it wear off what is special about our beloved corner of geekdom? And how many times have we made this argument before? A million. I'll just stop making it now. On the other hand, maybe this is good news for us making completely unrelated work. When I say us, I mean us creatives. People like us who make new IP. Because it looks like there'll be a shortage of original IP as other writers, crew and talent get sucked into the reboot, sequel and spin-off money machine. So don't despair fellow creatives and sharpen your quills. I smell opportunity. I'm sure one of the Ferengis says that. Maybe it's the Grand Nagus. I, anyway, Deep Space Nine has absolutely nothing to do with this item. Let's move on. To technology. <laughs> I've only one thing to talk about today, and that's pretty late-breaking. I heard that in a podcast. And that was Amazon's Climate Pledge. Or, as I like to call it, Amazon's anything-but-unions distraction. And that is it for the bulk of this show. Let's move on to the after-show section now, and we're in the after-show section. This is an expansion of a probably earlier announcement I make, but my podcasts are all blending into one another, so it's as well that I either repeat it or say it for the first time. Who knows? God help me. For the 12 days of Christmas, I'm doing a podcast every single day. 
To do that, expect a short hiatus from Doctor Who Revisits as I bring you some nerdery each day, but also and mostly to fill in the space, glorious randomness, rage, and as I said in my tweet, indigestion, hangovers, and truly terrible life choices. Eat your heart out, Festivus, and the airing of grievances. Alright, I'm joking mostly. Actually, with so many other pods doing more casual chill-out or after-dark episodes, I thought I'd do some more relaxed episodes as well, where I try not to blow my top at every slight and annoyance. For example, the recent second very infectious strain of COVID-19 arriving in the UK. Blimey, you can't make this stuff up. I will try and be happier because it is, after all, Christmas. And so, twas, or twiz, why don't they ever say twiz? Now, because it is past 12 o'clock and it is now the 24th of December, the night before Christmas, and I'll speak to you all very soon. The show that you have endured is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Mather, a writer. Martha is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. You can find more about me or get in touch at RoyMartha.com, which I suggest you visit because earlier on I said I was a creative, and I am an, an author, and I have written a novel that you might like called The Horus Box. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen and recommend it to a friend or an enemy or click the contact or support link on the website. You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture, geek, technology, nerd, and creative wizard. This was episode 352, recorded on Wednesday, the 23rd of December, 2020, but ending on Thursday, the 24th of December, 2020, Christmas Eve, at... 001705. Thanks for listening and bye bye for now. And remember, nerdlings, be nice, not naughty, or I'll come down your bloody chimney. <laughs>